You're listening to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club podcast, where we read them so you don't have to. Like the show? Become a patron at patreon.com forward slash nygbc. You should write a book, Fry. People need to know about the can eat more. getting this book on UFOs. Did you know they're real? But there's a huge comic conspiracy to cover it up. Oh, that's just a paranoid fantasy. I want to be a book that you can pick me up, flip through my pages, make sure nobody drew wieners in me. Grandmother's Book Club Podcast, where we read them so you don't have to, because Daddy Warbucks chose that stupid redhead over us. My name is Kevin, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Benedict, the reverse Tom Holland. Benedict, we have a problem. What is it? Well, the problem is um, that every show, I start uh-huh. asking you about a type of food. Yep. Uh, have we run out of food? Well, we, we haven't run out of food. Uh, the problem is there are a finite number of interesting food questions. You um, might say we passed that a while ago. Also, I mean, it's my... very possible. I was realizing the other day because usually when I'm coming up with that, I literally just look around my apartment to try and get inspiration because you know I cook a lot, so there's a bunch of stuff scattered around all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm usually trying to think, oh, okay, well, food, food thing, food thing that matters. Uh, oh, there's a jar of peanut butter, crunchy or smooth, crunchy or smooth. Uh, eventually, we're gonna get to where I'm asking, so Benedict, do you like? Uh, salted cashews or just dry roasted? Well, Kevin, what's, that's a good question. I would have preference? to go with salted, but honey roasted <laughs> is the preference. Honey so, roasted is the and preference. And we've been doing the show for about a year now, and I don't think we about started doing that from the very beginning, but uh, we've been doing it long enough that I think I think it's finally time to add in some variety. On I'm pretty the, sure uh, that's the only reason people tune in every week, Kevin. We're going to lose <laughs> listeners. <laughs> There's going to be a great revolt over the food question. Yeah. Uh, but I think, I think this we is, have to. This is, by the way, how my wife discovered that my favorite fruit is cherries. <laughs> she was <laughs> like, what the hell? I never knew that. <laughs> I remember that show. She immediately went out and bought cherries. <laughs> a, good, a good wife. Yes. Uh, but uh, so I think I think we have to change it up here at the beginning. Okay. And, and I have to add in uh, a wider variety of, of questions. And I think that's sure. just the natural evolution of our so show what you got and how me? things go. Well, uh, today, because I've given this long preamble to it, uh, this question is going to drop dead. But Benedict, uh, what is your favorite reality show from our youth, let's say early two thousands. Okay. From our youth, does wrestling count? <laughs> no, it, reality, Benedict. Reality is the key word there. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think what I actually watched. I watch much more reality TV now than I did. Uh, and I'm the I, opposite. I watch much less than I did way yeah, back when. Yeah, I mean when. that seems like the wise, uh, the wise move. I don't know. I guess Big Brother was the one I watched. Oh no. Okay, so in the UK we had this. It's not really reality. It's more like a game show, mm-hmm. I guess. But it's like kind of Big Brother e, um, in the sense that it's called I'm a Celebrity. Get me out of here. Where I feel like we had that in the US too. I feel like maybe, they they made yeah. a US version. Maybe after a while. It, was, it was very successful in the UK anyway, and they just took a bunch of like. C-list, maybe low B-list celebrities and put them in the Australian outback <laughs> or like in the jungle, not even the outback, the, like the legit jungle, and then just made them do a bunch of shit. Like, uh, like here's a cave with maggots in it. You have to stay in there for as long as you can. And the longer you stay in there, the more food your team gets. Okay, that like, reminds me, by the way, because I, I recently broke down and got Discovery+. Plus. I hate to interrupt you, but I'm going to. Uh-huh. Uh, and I, I spent a while just flipping through, looking at all the things that are in there. Most of it is the you know Discovery Channel, History Channel, turning into uh, uh, reality show garbage trash TV that they did. Uh, around the time of our our adolescence. Mm. But I found a gem on there, which I wanted to discuss a while ago and completely forgot about. But at some point, Jeff Flake and Martin Heinrich, yes, the Congress members, filmed a reality show where they were stranded on an island. That's fun. Was it called Naked and Afraid? It was called Rival Survival. 
All and the right. two of them were stranded on an island. I I have I haven't even watched the whole thing. Okay, I was gonna say, please tell me that's what we're reviewing. No, <laughs> the story of how that got made is much more interesting to me than the story of the actual show. That's fun. Oh god, let's do it's... it for a patron app. Yeah, maybe we will at some point. Uh, anyways, uh, for, for me, um, well, I... no, hold on, I, I hadn't okay. I hadn't quite finished. So the 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 best bit of it was the pr- the so you know how in a normal reality TV show the public. Or in a show like that, the public votes people off, right? And then mm. you eventually have a winner, like in Big Brother. But the premise of this was like everyone had to be there a certain amount of time, so they didn't vote people off straight away. So the way it started with the votes, because they obviously have got to make as much money as possible, they voted for which celebrity they wanted to put through this punishment for food. <laughs> so they'd be like, ah, we have to eat kangaroo testicles today. That seems like a job for Joe Walsh. So <laughs> there we go. To Not be fair, Joe Walsh, Joe, I would very much like to see Joe. Not the singer Joe Walsh, uh, the radio <laughs> personality and former Congress member Joe Walsh. That is something I'd like to see him do very much. <laughs> anyway, so the public is just like, yeah, we hate this person today. Make him eat kangaroo balls like prime time entertainment my friend that's right so i think it was that what about you for me uh i was really because because you know in uh the summers in california especially where i'm from sacramento we get like 105 110 degree weeks and when that happens you just you stay inside in the air conditioning when you're a kid in the summer that's how that works so uh but i didn't play the great american sport of baseball well, I did, but when it's a fucking 110 degrees outside, you're spending your days inside. You might go out for practice in the evening, but you're spending the afternoon inside. You're not spending the day out in that, unless you're going down to the lake. Uh, but uh, so on the afternoons on like VH1, uh, when I was a kid, there was a show uh, that you may or may not be familiar with called Blind Date. Um, I think there was also a version that I don't exactly remember with a bus. It might have been Blind Date, but they put a bunch of people on a bus. There was one person outside the bus who everyone was going on the dates with, uh, and they just had them walk off the bus, go to whatever the portion of the date was, and there were, like, usually three portions of the date, so it was, like, a beginning, Mm. and then, like, they'd go, you know, bungee jumping, or they'd go boogie boarding. Uh, And at any point, the person who was, you know, not on the bus, not from the bus dater, could say, nope, nope, get the fuck out of here, and they'd just send it back (laughs) to the bus, and a new one would come. And that was that was the best. That was my favorite because my favorite thing on that show was sometimes someone would just walk off the bus and they'd say, no, no, I'm not. I'm not not doing it. Send me okay. another one. Two, two quick things. I know this isn't really the point of the show, <laughs> but um, first of all, my mic is falling over, so I need to fix that. Bastard. Do we have a do we have a satisfactory uh, solution to this microphone problem? No, We're going to. Great. More editing for me. More Sorry. more cutting out uh, horrible microphone bumping noises. I mean, I didn't do it on purpose. Um, okay, so two things. First of all, was Blind Date the one that had a legit serial killer on it as a contestant once? <laughs> I, I don't know. I've never, okay. I've never heard that There's story. There's one, but I and I don't know it. if it's Blind Date, but we called it Blind Date in the UK that was this premise, is there uh, are like three three people and you got to like ask a question or whatever and be like, I'd like to ask person number two no, what no, their no. idea that's, of I a good time like is. I think the dating game or something. Yeah, okay, that, there was an actual serial killer on that. Okay. Um, so that's fun. But then in the UK, and I think it's based on a Spanish thing maybe, but it's called Take Me Out. Which sounds very similar to the um, the bus thing that you were talking about. So they would come down the elevator, and then there's like thirty, and it's either women or men. Um, I think it's, it was normally women, which strikes me as not great. But mm-hmm. they'd have like thirty women, and then the man would come down the elevator, and you could immediately be like, nope. And then they'd go through three rounds. So they had to like, first of all, it was just based on looks. So like sometimes it would like this kind of ugly, smugly looking dude would come down and like 28 people would turn their lights off immediately. Um, And then it was like, tell us a fact about yourself. And then there'd, there'd be another round of like voting and people would drop out. And then it would be like, what, like do your hidden talent or whatever. And then if at the end, if you were, uh, if like a bunch of st- people still had their lights on, the the person would get to go and turn out people's lights <laughs> and be like, I don't want to go on a date with this person. And then they got down to the final two and then they had to like 
impress him enough to yep. win them over. Yep. That, that, that's a, the, there's a the similarity. Of, I'm thinking of, of the Fernando. similarity you're getting at there, yeah. The Isle of Fernando was the, the date. Okay. So yeah, I uh, you know I'm not a big reality TV guys these days. Um, not really my jam. But back in the day, if I wanted something trashy, that's what I'd go for. People okay. just immediately jumping on people's looks. That's that's what yep. I wanted to see. I uh, I so got Benedict, way, way too into that as a question. As yeah, out. yeah. Benedict, why don't we start it off this week? You got a hot take for us? I do. Instant coffee is good. Um, you're trash. You're a garbage no, instant human. coffee is good. Don't understand instant what's coffee wrong with is you. A perfectly adequate form of coffee. Disagreed. Disagreed. Okay. Anyways, my That's hot fine. take. <laughs> <laughs> Not Fuck even. yours. Uh, my hot take. Um, I might have said something similar to this a while back, but we should not be um, trying to make prison or jail harder on people just because we don't like them. Uh, okay. And this goes back to I think some some comments or some articles I saw about the. QAnon shaman guy, uh, where mm. everybody's criticizing or impliedly criticizing um, the organic food he was given in prison. And I just want to highlight that we should not be uh, trying to get that taken away from him just because he's a terrible human being and a, a nightmare person. Uh, mm. We should try be trying to make sure that everyone who has special dietary needs or restrictions or, you know, religious guidelines has access to that if they're in prison or in jail, right? We, we don't want to force Muslims or Jews to eat pork just because they're in prison. That's not a good thing. And you might want to make fun of his stupid little organic food thing, which, yeah, I generally think is dumb. But I'm not going to try and restrict. I sh anybody who wants fucking organic food, fucking give it to him in prison. I'm fine with that because it's bad enough already to be in there. And there are enough people in there who are completely fucking innocent. I just want to make it as humane as possible. That's all I really want to do. I agree, but that's never going to get anywhere with the general population. No, no it's not. Know that. No, it's not. So anyways, moving on. Uh, we don't do the bookshelf on the interstitial episodes, but I do want to mention this is a, a quasi-bookshelf from me. Uh, I have never recommended on this show Cowboy Bebop, which is one of the finest anime ever done. Uh, and I should say that we are going to be doing, this is sort of housekeeping too, uh, for the patron-only bonus episode this month, Benedict has agreed to watch some anime. And we're going to be talking about it. Yeah, I think you... Oh, did I, you tell me that we were going to do that? <laughs> well, as the primary host of this show, uh -huh, and the primary. one who does all of the work, I think I have the right to tell Can you what I we're doing. Can I just make sure that is in, in the record for posterity in case we ever get in trouble for this show? It's, that you It's are the literally recorded. And I am here as a hostage. <laughs> it's literally recorded. It can't be, it can't be any more in the record than that. Uh, but we're going to be doing uh, Benedict watching some anime, and we're gonna, this is one of the rare times when we get to do something good, right? We get to look at something good uh, and talk about it. So uh, if any of you have suggestions for what you want him to watch, uh, send them to me on Twitter. That's going to be the fastest way to get it to me and for me to actually respond. Uh, I'm thinking something like maybe Akira or, uh, you know, one of the, the great movies, because uh, it'd be better than making him watch a whole series, probably. Yeah, I'm which not going to watch a whole he series. He would not want to do, but uh, maybe we'll have him watch the first couple episodes of a series, since they're like 20 minutes long. We'll figure it out along the way. So if you have does, suggestions, uh, send them to Beyblade me. Does Beyblade count as anime? I watched no, that when I was no, a kid. No, it does not. No, it does Are you not. Sure? I feel like it does. I mean, yeah, technically, it prob it is, I'm sure, because it's, 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 you know, but it's not um, like the traditional, it's not based on a manga, I think it's based on a toy. I think Beyblade was just based off of the toy that they did, I'm that sure you pull the ripcord and it spins around, yeah. What about Digimon? Digimon, um, I'm not sure if that was a manga first. I, I mean, watched, I, either I way, Digimon. it is an anime, it is an anime, because it's, it's a Japanese animation, that's all anime is. Um, but uh, I don't think they're of the quality that I'm trying to get you Digimon to watch. Digimon was great, shut up. Pokemon was better. Fuck off. Uh, but anyway, I do want to just quietly recommend this week for the bookshelf, uh, even though we're not doing it, the Cowboy Bebop soundtrack. Uh, I will at some point recommend Cowboy Bebop, but go listen to the soundtrack. It's so outstandingly good. Um, I, I, I do not understand how they came away from an anime with music that good. It's all original music done by an amazing composer. It's this jazz 
um, primarily, but with a bunch of different influences. It's incredible music. Uh, so if you haven't listened to it, it's one of those that I would just listen to the whole thing all the way through. It's that fucking good. It's absolutely amazing. very rapidly leading down a road where I'm going to have to do a cultural appropriation intervention when you start, like, wearing a kimono and, like, doing... When I started, like, uh, there was a Saturday Night Live skit from, uh, I don't know, maybe, like, 10 years ago where it was, was like, two high school students, two white high school students who were trying to act like a stereotypical um, uh, anime teen from uh, Japan. Uh, yeah, I know exactly what Start you're talking about. Start walking around like Jam from Parks and Rec. And you're <laughs> yes, yes. But uh, do listen to the Cowboy Bebop soundtrack. It's it's absolutely outstanding. It's wonderful. And I'm going to make Benedict listen to at least the first song because everyone everyone get downs with gets down with it. Anyways, housekeeping this week. Rate and review us on iTunes. Follow us on the social medias. And we have to give a warm welcome to our newest patron, Dexter, for joining up. <laughs> over at patreon.com forward slash nygbc and with all that out of the way why don't we jump into what we're doing this week uh and this week as the interstitial episode this is the beginning of a little bit of a series we're going to be doing with the interstitials um a mini series if you a, a mini series yes because a lot of the times when I'm looking for this content for the interstitial episodes one of my first go-to's is prager you and it occurred to me accredited that not- university <laughs> accredited by I'm not by exactly Dennis who Prager. they get accredited by Dennis Prager. <laughs> um, but it occurred to me that a lot of people are aware of PragerU. Not a lot of people really know what PragerU is and what it's about. So for I the feel next like a couple lot of, of people see the videos and they're like, that's dumb. And then they don't yes. like go to the channel or whatever. Whereas right. we... <laughs> <laughs> we go to the channel. So I feel like it would be a good thing for people to find out more about PragerU, what it is, sort of the insidious nature of this organization, and a little bit about Dennis Prager himself. So we're going to spend something along the way, some some episode along the way, talking about Dennis Prager himself and learning a little bit more about him as a person. So today, we're playing what I like to call Prager Roulette. Uh, so Prager Roulette? Prager Roulette. That's much better than mine. Thank you. So I, I have yeah, about eight uh, of the Prager U five-minute videos queued up on, uh, on the computer. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to let Benedict choose a number between one and eight, and that's going to decide which video we're going to do. He has no idea in what order they are organized, or what they uh, are. which videos have been chosen, who the presenters of those videos are. He is simply going to blindly choose, as he always does. Seven. Oh, you're starting right off the bat. Seven. Just give me seven. Seven. All right. Okay, well, I'm going to try and guess who it is, too, just from the voice. Well, I'm not sure you're going to know all of these people. No, I don't think I will, but I'm going to see if I can. I'm just telling you. Some of them are a little more obscure, but I'll give you the title of this video. The title of this video you've just chosen. Then I'll put in a first guess for who I think it might be. Yeah. I'll give you the the title and the date of every video that I've chosen. And I've tried to pick a smattering of videos that that span the spectrum of uh, the sort of content they have out there. This one is called The Popular Vote versus the Electoral College. Okay. And it is from May 17th, 2015. (laughs) <laughs> when they thought Trump might lose the electoral college, presumably. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so he- May 20, 2015. So that's not a Trump person. That's probably... Not necessarily. I, I don't know this person particularly well, but uh, we'll see how this goes. Why don't you give it a listen? Okay, In every go. presidential election, only one question matters. Which candidate will get the 270 votes needed <sighs> to win the electoral college? Okay, I don't know who Our founder so deep. This is a woman named Tara Ross. Okay. No, I don't no, know no. anything She's about her. She's clearly fallen into obscurity. She is described in the description for the video as author, lawyer, and electoral college expert. Okay. So <laughs> sure. that's, that's all you need. Deeply feared a tyranny of the majority that they rejected the idea of a direct vote for president. Okay, that's not so really... The- okay. <laughs> Hold the on. tyranny that's... of the majority the tyranny of the majority yes, my that, friend that's the first thing the second thing is i love that term the the founders as jamal Bowie has pointed out while talking about this the founders were drunk all the time so maybe <laughs> maybe we shouldn't listen to everything they said and take it so seriously thirdly the electoral college and everybody knows this i think i hope 
most people know this, is that the Electoral College as it is today is nothing like what the founders designed. No, absolutely not, right? Because at the time, remember, they didn't actually count all the people worth a single person. And they also had significant other restrictions on who had the actual right to vote. Yeah. So it's a, well, a vastly that, different that, system. But also, like, it just wasn't a mass vote in the same way it is now. It was no. a vote in the way that there were, like, 12 people, and they were like, hey, who do you think should be president? You seem important enough to have an opinion. And they were like, <laughs> yeah, we vote for this guy. And then it was always George Washington until it wasn't. <laughs> well, I do, like, I do always want to point out, whenever someone says the tyranny of the majority, that what they're actually arguing for uh, by putting forth that proposition is a tyranny of the minority. Yes. That's what they actually want. That's why they created the Electoral College. No, it's not. For more than two centuries, it has encouraged coalition building, has given it? a voice to both big and small states, mm, and it? discouraged voter fraud. Okay, has pause. it given a voice to big pause, states? Pause, pause, has pause. it? Or has it erased the voice of big states? No, she said given a voice to small states. But she what said both, both big and small states. Oh, yeah. did she? Okay, I missed that because yeah. you were talking. Um, what it actually does is erases the voices of a bunch of people in big states that are mm -hmm. Democrat states. Like, there are more Republican voters in California than in, like, 40-odd states. But yeah. nothing, their vote never matters. Literally doesn't matter. Could not matter less. Absolutely. Unfortunately, there is now a well-financed, below-the-radar effort well to do away with the Electoral College. It is called National Popular Vote, or NPV, and it wants to do exactly what the founders rejected. Okay, pause. Award the job of president. The MPV is actually really good, and it's a commitment mm -hmm. by the states to award their electors to the person who won the popular vote. So it's not right. actually, it's still, it still leaves it within the hands of the states to do that. It's still state legislation that they can do that and select electors based on who won the vote. At the moment, we arbitrarily assign electors based on who wins the popular vote within the state. But there's no reason why we couldn't do it based on who wins the popular vote nationally. The states get to decide yes, but Benedict, their rules. But Benedict, you're forgetting that would take away the Republicans' artificial advantage sure. in the presidency. Yeah, but they could which... keep it in the Senate. They still have it in the Senate. Yeah, I'd like to get rid of that too, though. Yeah. The whole Senate. <laughs> president yeah. to the person who gets the most votes nationally. Even if you agree with this goal, it's hard to agree with their method. Rather really? than amend the Constitution, which they have no chance of doing, NPV plans an end run around it. Here's what, what NPV does. It asks states to sign a... By the way, I feel like every time she says NPV, it's like describing a venereal disease. It does. It sounds like that's HPV, the, that's, doesn't that's, it? That's why. Yeah, it is. ...contract to give their presidential electors to the winner of the national popular vote instead of the winner of the state's popular vote. Which is another... What does said, that mean in practice? decided. Right, and it's literally like, I don't know how they would feel about this video today, given that they are passing laws in red states to allow the legislature to, you know, even disregard the popular vote within yeah, the state they if they to. decide they want to. So, I, look, it's it's not really about uh, any sort of principle argument. We all know it's it's very apparent. It's about a, retaining a Republican majority. Yeah. That's, what, that's what it's really about. So we don't need any more of that video. That okay. one, uh, pretty boring. Six more videos, Benedict. One through six, what'll you have? What happened to eight? I mean, seven. I'm sorry. Seven more videos. What do you have? Three. Number three. Number three is titled, oops, number three is titled, I forgot to get that video out of there at the beginning because it's the leftover Dinesh video that I oh, just no. never took out of the browser. <laughs> Play it for the people. <laughs> no, we're not doing Play the Play the stop video. for the people. All right, so I've deleted that video, so now we're down to six. So give me one six. through six. Okay, what three. do we have? Three. Number three. All right, number three is what are your kids learning in school? Oh, no. This is from February 22nd, 2021. Oh, So this God. is a recent video. Is it, away we go. Is it Dave Rubin? No, no, it's not. What's happening in our schools? God, colleges have become leftist indoctrination centers. Okay, it's not a new have problem. Always been leftist indoctrination centers. <laughs> Hold on, lady. Uh, you're not going to recognize who this person is. Her name is Jill Simonian. Okay, uh, she's just the director of outreach for PragerU. Okay, that, that's all she is. Is she for, saying uh, that uh, PragerU is a leftist indoctrination center? Well, of course, PragerU is here to fix the problem. Uh, They're not part of the problem. Cool. They're fixing the problem. Problem. It's been going on for decades, first behind the scenes and now out front. That's how radical change happens. 
it creeps up on us. Oh, okay. And so I love that quote. That's I love yes. That's why I had to put this happen? one in. It creeps yeah, up on us. It creeps up on us. I fucking love that so much. And by, by the way, way the, I, I the, really <laughs> liked uh, Ted Cruz's sloganeering for Biden when he called him boring but radical. <laughs> I was like, yeah, sure, give me that. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, I, I uh, the, the graphic for this that's going on is a guy presumably standing in the dark with a flashlight, and behind him is a big shadow that's like a cross between a bear and a crocodile that just has radical change written on it. Does he just say boo, like gently? <laughs> He turns around and it flies away. <laughs> and when we finally figure out what's going on, it's too late. Did the what's been happening it? on college campuses yeah. is now happening in elementary schools and high schools. I know. I'm a mom of two school-aged kids. I've seen it with my own eyes. More right. But you work for PragerU. Yeah. Let's, let's be honest here. More and more parents are seeing it too. Thanks to the lockdowns and Zoom, we're getting a window into our children's classes. It's not a pretty picture. Kids, really young kids, what is that alarm in the are being taught stuff so radical, so devoid of what real education is, it should alarm us all. Here oh, are a few examples. Recently, alarm. Chicago Public Schools adopted an American history curriculum based on the 1619 project published and oh, promoted God, by the so New York Times. Right. And it's important to note, right, that they did, their their history curriculum is not based on the 1619 project. No. They have incorporated it into an element of their American history curriculum. They don't spend an entire what? How how long are you in grade school? Eight years. Eight years of grade school just reading the 1619 project in history class yeah, every day. I mean, day. as long as there's a pledge of allegiance, spare me the talk of indoctrination. Yeah, absolutely. The 1619 project asserts that America's founding was not marked by the Declaration of Independence in 1776, but the arrival of the first African slaves in Jamestown in 1619. Mm -hmm. Historians from across the political spectrum have denounced this as a giant lie. Nope. The New York Times has yeah. walked back. So there, there, there's differing opinions, and yeah, I think it all comes down to what is. do you define as a. It, it comes down to what do you define as a founding, right? Yeah. I think. The New York Times was trying to be a bit more um, uh, provocative. It's a provocative, provocative yeah. yeah. It's, it's a provocative, provocative framing, and maybe, but that's fine. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't what, think it particularly. That's again. <laughs> that's what history writing is. It's reframing the facts to fit the narrative the, that you think best works. There are no exams in schools now where they're asking multiple choice. When was the United States founded? Was it sixteen nineteen or seven? Right. That that's not happening. No. Right. That's absolutely not happening many of the project's original claims. Still, this malicious slander of America is now being taught in schools as truth. And what, what is that truth? What's the slander? That there were slaves? Like, I guess so. I guess so. That's yeah. it. That, that's, that's all I can imagine is the slander. What's the slander? That America is, was, and always has been a fundamentally racist country and that white Americans today bear responsibility for all current and historic racism. I don't so think we've talked about says. that. We've talked about that recently too. And that, I think part of the reason why I wanted to do this video is the phrasing on that is almost identical to what we got from, from Glenn Beck. Yeah. The phrasing is almost on the nose, the same exact words used. So there's either there's behind the scenes coordination or they're all just stealing from the same source. And I'm not sure where Glenn Beck stole his phrasing from or where PragerU got this phrasing from. I'd like to find out. I'd like to drill down on that a little bit, but it's all coming from a common source. This bleeds perfectly into another educational debacle, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Huge oh, yes. Now this might sound innocent, debacle. but don't be fooled. It's a dangerous euphemism for something called critical race theory. <laughs> Diversity, equity, and inclusion is a backdoor for critical race theory. Soon as they let one black kid into the classroom, boom, critical race theory, right in your kid's face. I see you rubbing your forehead. It's such a lot. This is not great for podcasters, but I just can't. That's so bad.
<laughs> I look. I, I like. I like where that stopped. I like that drop. So I want to leave that video right there, okay. just because I think it's the best comedic moment. Sure. Which leaves us down can to we, can five. Can we go on the record as disagreeing with it? <laughs> yes, we can. So that leaves us with five more videos. Benedict, one through five. Two. Number two. Number two. This one is entitled "The Suicide of Europe." Oh, and, uh, is it Douglas you, K. Murray? It's Douglas Murray, all right. There yeah. you go. <laughs> From May 12th, 2018. I, I, I figured you were going to, as soon as you heard him, no. Uh, but uh, yeah, this is, this is absolutely Douglas Murray. So why don't we get this one started? The civilization <sighs> born of Judeo-Christian values, ancient Greek philosophy, oh, and the God. discoveries of the Enlightenment is staring at the what abyss is, okay, brought it. there. Pause it. What is he doing with his voice? I can do that too. He's got... He's got ready? fucking marbles in his mouth. I'm going to do it. Are you ready? The discoveries of the Judeo-Christian societies that have led to the advancement of the white, I mean, uh, European race. <laughs> to be fair, like, Douglas Murray has a very um, easy-to-listen-to voice, Jen, because I've seen him all over the he place. Is, he's he's one of the live. right's favorite provocateurs. I've seen him live. That is not how he speaks. No, he has a very posh accent. He sounds very formal. He sounds very bad on this video. So yeah. I don't know if it was a recording area, but he, he sounds like he has fucking marshmallows in his mouth. There, by its own hand. To put it starkly, Europe is committing suicide. That is and at that point, they have the, the little cartoon figures jump off a cliff. They just jump off a cliff, yep. How did this happen? It's a complicated story, but there are two major causes. The first is the mass movement of peoples into Europe. <laughs> it is of course it is mm -hmm. we all knew he was going to say it because we know who he is as a person but god damn it douglas god damn it you son of a bitch and the cartoon that they're showing is of course a crowd of brown people yeah. a lot of them wearing little hats people might so, argue yeah, that a bigger yeah, problem going on. was the mass movement of people out of europe that caused <laughs> worldwide colonialism and pillage of the third of uh, of, of other countries it's just stuck, just a stark contrast of Douglas Murray's pale, pasty white face next to this cartoon image of a crowd of brownish people yeah, uh, walking in a long line, supposedly towards Europe. This has been going on steadily since the end of World War II, but sped up massively in the migration crisis of 2015 when more than a million migrants poured into Europe from the Middle East, North Africa, and East Asia. Pause it. The second... You know which country accepted the most migrants? Germany, I believe. Germany. And do you know who loves mm -hmm. the fact that they did that now after the crisis passed? Germany. Germany. They love Chancellor yeah. Merkel. They love <laughs> that they... they, they it, it's been great. It's really been great, generally. There have been, you know, a couple of incidents. Oh, but Benedict, what, but what about... What about the no-go zones, Benedict? Yeah, what about all those Muslim no-go zones where white people can't even walk in? I'm sorry, I mean Christian people can't even walk in. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. And, and equally significant is that Europe lost faith in itself, its beliefs, its traditions, Ugh. and even its very legitimacy. What? Let's take a closer look at both causes. For decades, Europe encouraged people, mostly from the Middle East and North Africa, to come as temporary workers. Nobody expected them to stay, yet they did. And nobody asked them to leave, Pause even it. those who came elite. Okay. First of all, what? <laughs> Second of all, <laughs> I, I mean, France used to, literally until the 60s, France claimed that it owned Morocco and Algeria and Tunisia. Yeah. Like... That's why there are now a bunch of people of North African descent in Morocco, in, in France, because they were like, hey, we own this land. And they were like, OK, fine. No, you don't actually. But, we, you know, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but can we come anyway? Can yeah. we come anyway? Yeah. Yeah. Does, is Douglas Murray uh, just, you know, questions that always come up when I'm was he pro? I think he was pro Brexit, right? I think so. I think for migration so crisis reasons. Yeah, when he's talking about the death of Europe, it's a little bit ironic that he's talking about people lost faith in Europe, and he was literally one of the voices supporting destroying the EU. Yeah, I, I, I think his reasoning, though, was literally based on, like, they're letting too many Middle Eastern people come. Right, racist reasons, yeah. which is what we expect from him. Uh-huh. Illegally, 
As one British immigration minister put it in 1999, removal takes too long and it's emotional. And, of course, why would they leave? The economic opportunities were far greater in Europe than from where they came, and if the work dried up, there were generous welfare benefits to be had. Oh my God. For a time, yeah. immigrants Middle were allowed, even queens. encouraged, thanks to the European commitment to multiculturalism, to pursue whatever culture they wanted. Okay. Cool. You know, like, so. the, like the thing that has made America literally great, like yeah. not made America great again, <laughs> but made America great as a as a melting pot and diverse yep. country. Like, yep. No yep. shit. Look, the the racism in this video is is very bothersome and very distressing. So I think we're gonna end that one there. We we, we have four videos left. Uh, okay. Benedict, one through four. Four. Number four. Number four is entitled "Who Is Teaching Your Kids?" Okay. From June tenth, twenty eighteen. You may not realize it, oh, no. but you are currently funding. <laughs> you picked the Jordan Peterson video. <laughs> you may not realize it, but your, your Patreon dollars are funding crack research. <laughs> you may not realize it, but but you're you're subscribing to my Patreon funds my all meat diet that led <laughs> to me being in a coma. Uh, yes, we have Jordan Peterson telling us little, who... There was a little bit of Obama to that. <laughs> Just the, the staccato, the staccato yeah. delivery. It yeah. uh, led to me being in a coma. Yeah. So it's teaching us, or he's telling us, who is teaching your kids? They are indoctrinating young minds throughout the West with their resentment-ridden ideology. They have made it their life's mission to undermine Western <laughs> civilization itself, which they regard as corrupt, oppressive, and patriarchal. They are. They if all you're write. a taxpayer or paying for your kid's liberal arts degree, you're underwriting this gang of nihilists. Oh, my God. You're supporting <laughs> no, ideologues who claim that all truth is subjective, that all sex differences are socially constructed, and that Western imperialism is the sole source of all third world Nobody problems. says that. They are the postmodernists pushing progressive activism at a college near you. They produce the mobs that violently shut down campus speakers. <sighs> The language police who enshrine into law use of fabricated gender pronouns and the deans whose livelihoods depend on madly rooting out discrimination. All this pronouns is, uh, the, are fabricated. <laughs> by the way, the, uh, the image for the cartoon is uh, uh, a desk with a plaque that says Dean of Diversity on it and a blonde woman leering ominously across the desk. Good stuff. For I, uh, I would say just everyone, everyone go listen to the Behind the Bastards episode on Jordan B. Peterson. Yep. Yep, it's good. ...where little or none exists. Their thinking took hold in Western universities in the 60s and 70s when the true believers of the radical left became the professors of today. And now we rack up education-related debt. that doesn't even make Not sense so from that a our timeline children... perspective. <laughs> I mean, there's... It there's took hold in the 60s people. and 70s when the true believers of the radical left became the professors of today. When yeah, did it take I think hold? what he's getting at... Pl plenty of my professors from these days were students in the 60s. -ish. Yeah, but that's right? what I'm saying. It didn't take hold in the 60s and 70s then. It took hold in the 80s and 90s when those people oh, you're grew just up getting to be professors. You're just nitpicking his phrasing. Yeah, because he's a fucking I idiot. Known, I should have known that from you, yes. <laughs> Children learn to think critically, write clearly, or speak properly, but so they can model their mentor's destructive agenda. It's now possible to complete an English degree and never encounter Shakespeare. What okay, a, yeah, no, it's not. so? No, it's fucking okay, not. Okay, first of all, no. Bullshit! Yes, you're, you're, Bullshit! You're right, but also, you don't have to read Shakespeare to be good at the English language and English literature. Right! Right! That, not Especially everything if you're a, is like, based if, on Shakespeare. What if you're a modernist? Right, and not everything is based on Shakespeare. I just, I, I don't, there are some, and this, it's just the right-wing mindset, right, of everything goes back to whatever preset points in history they think are the progenitors of everything that came after it, whether it be the Bible, whether yeah. it be Shakespeare in this case, whether it be, I don't know, uh, fucking, I'm trying to think of another one. They don't have many progenitors. No. That, the I mean, founding the, of the, the United Ilya, States. The Odyssey, like the founding documents, it's all, yeah. As you say. Right, right. So they, they have a couple things and nothing ever changes beyond that, right? It's but like the idea I, of cops I, I going would, off the air. I, I would guess, and this is the thing I always find with these things, is like when you get like 
uh, I think I've said this before on here is like it, it's the the idealized version of that as well. It's not even the original version because when you look back at Shakespeare, all the parts were played by men, right? Mm-hmm. Like including the women. But like if if someone tried to do that today and we're like this is an originalist, these people would be like, no, the women should be women and the men should be men. But like that's not how it was done in Shakespeare's time. Right, and and the only Shakespeare we even get these days is the fucking Snyder cut, where everything's so dark. I look, I just, I don't want to, I don't want to complain. I don't want to complain. I'm just saying uh, that they shouldn't have redone the I'm, King Lear. Fuck, I'm trying to think of a Shakespeare right now. They shouldn't have done King Lear with a Ben Affleck playing the main role. Okay, King Lear is the darkest Shakespeare play out there. Also, so it's not the darkest. Titus Andronicus. Well, is the darkest, I'm sorry, but, but yeah. I would love to see the Snyder cut of Titus Andronicus. Fine. One of those dead white males whose works underlie our society of oppression. To understand and oppose the postmodernists, the ideas by which they orient themselves must be clearly identified. First is their new unholy trinity of diversity, equity, oh, okay. and inclusion. Same thing we got in that last Ugh. video. Same thing. It. It's a cut common it. core. It's a, it runs through everything. It runs through it all. So, okay, you said cut it, so we'll leave that video. That leaves us with three more okay, videos. We must be We're about 40 time. minutes. Let's do one more okay. video. So I got three more videos. Let's do one more video. I'll and, let you uh, pick. We'll dealer's see. choice. Mm, dealer's choice. All right. In that case, I'm going to choose video two. Okay. This is a progressive's guide to political correctness. I'm going to tell you who it is because you'll never recognize the voice. This is by Washington Post conservative columnist George Will from February 15th, 2016. Oh, good. How indignant can progressives make themselves? Pretty indignant. There's a real competition going on, and it's sweeping the nation. Let me Progressive versus progressive competing to see who can most flamboyantly claim to be offended. If he talks about the impression Olympics, I will, I will lose my shit. George Will loves his alliterations, so he would, he would absolutely use oppressive oppression Olympics or something like that. Claim that their feelings have been hurt, or that their sensitivities have been rubbed raw, Kevin, or their serenity disturbed, feelings. or their composure discombobulated <laughs> by something that someone has said, or by something they have seen, such as a Confederate flag, or a building named after Woodrow Wilson. But, but why would the progressives be angry at Woodrow Wilson? As we've learned famed, from famed ev- progressive Woodrow Wilson, you mean? Yes, as we've learned from every other conservative source that we've gone through, he is a hero of the progressives, obviously. From Dinesh D'Souza to Glenn Beck, we are supposed to love Woodrow Wilson, isn't that right? Definitely is. Actually, Certainly. I think progressives are not sufficiently imaginative. There are is many. That so. <laughs> From a guy who, the last, what, four videos we've watched have all used the same exact phrasing and the same exact gripes, but yeah. progressives... Also, I'm sorry, <laughs> I refuse to take criticism on our le- level of imagination from a guy with two first names for a first name and a surname. <laughs> That's true. He also is, if you look up boring white man in the dictionary, George Will is next to it. <laughs> he is just, he's, he could have been Ferris Bueller's teacher uh, if they didn't need an actual actor for that. Many more things they could be indignant about, starting with where I live, Washington, D.C. The Washington Post newspaper is, if it will pardon the expression, on the warpath against the name of the Washington Redskins football team. Oh, God. The paper says the name is racist, insulting, demeaning, insensitive, and so on. But the Washington Post takes its name from its city, which is named for George Washington who was not only a slave owner, he was a tobacco farmer, which some progressives probably think is almost as awful. No, they don't. No, they (laughs) don't. No, we don't. No, we don't. I love this attempt to use the third degree to compare the name of the Washington Post to now. And by the way, it's ironic since the Washington Post won that fucking battle. Yeah. It is no longer, it is now the Washington Post. he works for the Washington Post. (laughs) He does. (laughs) Well, he's nationally syndicated, but the Washington Post is, I guess, like his his home newspaper. Yeah, I guess it's his his primary uh, employer. I think something like that. Yeah. What? Surely the Post should change its name and should demand that the nation's capital be renamed, perhaps as Eleanor Roosevelt does, City. Does he want? That? Obviously, it cannot be named for her husband, 
he who ordered the internment of 117,000 persons of Japanese descent. I, so George Will was alive during internment. He is that old. I have to wonder what he thought of internment at the time, and I have to suspect that he was for it. How old, is, how old was he during internment? No way. He's in his 70s. No so way. He was, yeah, he's in his 70s. No, but that doesn't mean he was alive and thinking about it. No, but he was he was a child, and certainly, you know, in the years following, he was going through school, he was growing up, he was probably thinking about it at the very... He, he had a thought about yeah. it I mean, at some point in his life. I mean, children's opinions ever. Well, he's 79 years old. He was born in 1941. Okay, right, so, so he was a baby. He was alive, he was, he was a baby during it. But at some point following that, and he lived through segregation, through integration, he lived through all <laughs> Kevin, that. Kevin, there were a he bunch of things thoughts. that he had that had bad thoughts about, I'm sure. He, yes. He we don't had, have to, we don't have to project internment <laughs> into him. <laughs> that's what I'm getting at. And I'm not sure where he's from, but I'm sure he's from Illinois. Uh, but he, he certainly had some bad thoughts along the way. Two-thirds of whom were native-born American citizens. Yeah, it sucks. And there are hundreds of other towns, counties, parks, and schools named for Washington, such as Washington and Lee University. That, Good okay. grief. Pause the name- who, is the, who is the Lee in that? Robert E. Is it, or is it Charles Were Lee? Were you unaware? No, it's Robert, Lee. it's Robert E. Lee. It's named after Robert E. Lee. I okay, think. well, that's worse, then. If we're going to get rid of one of them, let's start with Lee. <laughs> Yep, it's Robert E. Lee. In 1865, shortly after his surrender, Confederate States Army General Chief Robert E. Lee served as president of the college for five years until his death, when the college was thereafter renamed the Washington and Lee University. Right. Yeah, if if we're going to change the name, let's start there. So this is just a weak argument trying to, and he hasn't even addressed the fact that the Redskins, obviously racist name, um, and he's trying to compare that to things where with for George Washington, for example, yes, he was a slave owner. I don't think we should uh, hold him in as high regard as we do. He did some good things, which we should recognize as the history of our country. But uh, perhaps we should also recognize the slaveholding aspect of him. Uh, I think many of us would agree with that. Yes. I don't know if we need to change the name of the capital, but we should certainly recognize the bad bits as well. Yeah. The name is Double Hate Speech. Robert E. Lee actually commanded the Confederate <laughs> Army. Yeah, it's a Washington great point. is not the only name progressives should scrutinize. The word Oklahoma is a compound of two words from the Choctaw language, words meaning red and people. If it is intolerable to have a football team named Redskins, it must be worse to have a state named Red People. I'm for all of but these changes. Let's by get the way. back mm-hmm. to cleansing America of all mentions of historic figures who were less than perfect progressives. On the Tidal Basin in Washington, there's a memorial to the slave owning Thomas Jefferson. Yep. Been there. You and I have been there together. We have. This memorial should have a trigger warning carved into its marble. <laughs> Jacksonville, Florida, it's and so Jackson, lazy. Mississippi, and it's many really other so places lazy. and things are yep. named for Andrew Jackson, the tormentor of Native Americans. All must be renamed for someone who was saintly, as progressives understand saintliness. And speaking of saints, surely good progressives are traumatized by the names of St. Louis, St. Petersburg, San Diego, San Antonio, not to mention Corpus Christi. Why? Progressives like it when courts rule that non-denominational prayers at high school graduations violate the separation of church and state. Because all progressives are atheists. Yeah. (laughs) Well, because it's... I I do think even non-denominational prayer should be outlawed from high school graduations and shit. Because you're literally... What they're calling non-denominational means... Christian. Non-Christian denomination. It's It's still Christian prayer. Absolutely. It's not a... state. Yeah. Why... Then, don't they consider it a constitutional outrage that there are cities named for religious figures, including Nancy Pelosi's San Francisco? That city is, if progressives will pardon the expression, the Vatican of American progressivism. (laughs) I love that name. I'll give him that that's pretty good. That's pretty good. But yes, apparently we should be outraged at San Diego and San Francisco. That's sure. that's what he's arguing for here. Sure. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's such good stuff. But anyways, that is a taste 
Uh, and I'll just tell you two, the other two videos that we didn't get to. Uh, one was What is the Right Minimum Wage by David Henderson from 2014. Uh, and of course, his argument is that the right minimum wage is $0 an hour. Uh, and the other one was Where Do You Want to Live? Red States or Blue States by Blue Stephen States. Moore from Blue October 7, 2020. Absolutely. Absolutely. So those are the two we didn't get to. But that is a taste of the offerings, uh, the, the fare they have on offering at PragerU. And I'm excited because we're going to get into more of this, as I said, as we move on. We're going to do a little bit more digging into Dennis Prager's background, where this whole PragerU thing started, where it may be going. Um, and it's I'm really excited to get into it. There's, there's also some disappointing things about PragerU. I, I, I might have mentioned this before, um, but Mike Rowe, the dirty jobs guy, did a PragerU video, Ew. which is really disappointing to me because I loved Dirty Jobs when I was growing up. It was such a great show. It was like the early stages of the Discovery Network's reality program. Okay. And it was actually really well done. It wasn't an attempt to, like, you know, make fucking people, you know, uh, mountain men in Alaska into reality TV stars. It was just Mike Rowe, who was a former opera singer, who went out and did dirty jobs with people and saw what it's like. Like, he, you know, he went and worked on a fishing boat, and he went and worked with people who were sucking out septic tanks, and he just did the jobs. He had a great sense of humor. It was a really entertaining show, and I'm really disappointed that he went and did a PragerU video. And it's a rather benign one. It's like, you shouldn't be following your dreams because maybe you're not suited for whatever your dreams might be. You should look for what you're good at, mm. which is whatever. But it's, I'm still really Did disappointed. Did you see the Mumford & Sons guy had to had to take a break from the band because he tweeted the <laughs> praise of Andy and Go's book? Yep, yep. That's that's a weird one. That's definitely that a weird I'm not a huge Mumford & Sons guy, but that's definitely a weird one. It was a weird there. one. And then the rest of the band were like, uh, <laughs> no. Yeah, dude. Uh, I guess we don't need you playing bass. Yeah. Uh, was he, your was he, he was like a banjo yeah. guy. He was like a banjo yeah. guy. I don't remember yeah. who he was in that band. Uh, but anyways, that's it for this week's episode. Thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, if you can't get enough of us, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash NYGBC and become a patron for as little as $2 an episode. For patron-only episodes, shout-outs on the show, drawings to win our copies of the books we read, and more. And that's only $4 a month because we don't charge you for the interstitial episodes. As always, we have to give a shout-out to our wonderful and amazing patrons, including our newest patron, Dexter, Allison, Corey Bidding, Megan Ruth, Sabi Aquino, Glaurung the Deceiver, Danielle, Big Easy Blasphemy, Becky Scott Fairley, Stephen and Cindy Dimmick, AJ Brantley, Taru Takanen, Skeptical Seventh, and Andrew Jenko. Thank you all, as always, for being our patrons. That's it for this week's show. Till next time, eat nuts, kick butts. Goodbye. Bye. podcast is a production of Kevin and Benedict Productions. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Music for this podcast is by Silverman Sound Studios. Find out more at silvermansound.com.